Can science and technology prove that there is life after death? What about answering the question, are UFOs real? Is there a life away from planet Earth? Join us as we try to solve two of the biggest mysteries that have remained unsolved for nearly 200,000 years. Welcome to the Afterlife Podcast, and here is your host, Mark DeLuca. Hello, and welcome back to the Afterlife Podcast. If you're a new listener, welcome. My name is Mark. I'm the host of this podcast. I'm a researcher, senior analyst, engineer, and honored to be called a leader in emerging technology. You know, when it comes to these types of mysteries that we're researching, I lie right in the middle. I'm not a believer, and I don't dismiss. What I want to do is use science and technology to prove that these are either legitimate things that are happening or it's something completely different. You know, I also want to give a big shout out to all of our listeners. We are to a point now where we're growing our audience to almost over 70,000 people. It's very exciting to see that people are really enjoying and interested in Mission Afterlife. Also, with that said, we continue to grow our mission and project. Remember, this is an open source project. So what that means is anybody can help with our research if you're interested in doing so. We also have some very interesting developments that we are almost finalizing in our quantum research laboratory that will help with our overall research. And again, we'll share that here very soon. So with that being said, let's kick off today's episode. Today, we look at a near-death experience and talk about how it may be possible that we're experiencing things related to medicine and science. Our research will have us look at dreams, hallucinations, and sleep cycles as they share remarkable parallel relations. We need to look closely at the quantum information of both the central nervous system that controls the brain and spinal cord and the peripheral nervous system that is composed of nerves that lie in the extremities, muscles, and organs. Neuroscience is the study of our nervous system. It's something that has fascinated me since early on. I first started my studies in college in psychology with a core focus in neuroscience. I absolutely enjoyed it and only diverted my attention when I dived off into the deep end with technology. I once heard a saying, and it goes, we know more about the surface of the moon than we do about our own human brain. There's still so many things that we don't know. In this episode, we're going to talk about some of those things. Let's get started. The light started to appear. And that's when I realized that this was death. This was my death. When I died, I was 31. What I experienced from that moment on just changed my life forever. 
Well, more than 90% of people believe there is an afterlife, according to our Today.com poll. But what exactly is it? Some people claim they know because they've actually experienced it. They share incredible stories like reconnecting with deceased loved ones. Miranda was at the top of her game. As an executive marketing professional, she was held in very high regard by many in the industry. This brought about a very high level of stress. Miranda found herself always worried that her work-life stress would lead to medical issues. She constantly had thoughts about how later in life she would develop some form of cancer. These scary thoughts eventually became reality when Miranda was diagnosed with terminal cancer. Things quickly escalated in a direction where death was certain. Miranda did everything imaginable to fight and defeat her cancer. As her health continued to dwindle, she fell into a coma. Her family and friends prepared to say goodbye. What they did not know was that something purely magical was happening behind the scenes. Miranda says she could hear the doctors talking about how she was likely not to make it as her organs were shutting down. She could feel people's touch to include her husband holding her hand. She suddenly was able to look down upon her body. She could look around with no sense of boundaries. She could see her brother boarding a plane in another country and feel the soul of other family members. Miranda explains it as she felt like her consciousness expanded rapidly. She recalls feeling no pain and a sense of belonging. Oftentimes in stories like this, we try to find instances where once validated, it makes clear that there's no other explanation. Miranda recalls being able to hear a conversation between her doctor and her husband. This conversation took place outside of her hospital room and down the hall. When Miranda recalled this to her husband, he verified that everything she stated actually took place. Miranda recalls not wanting to come back to her physical body, but eventually felt a sense of requirement. When she returned and came out of a coma, her cancer was 70% gone. This led doctors from around the world to review her case, and they agreed that medically, she should have died. In the past episodes, we reviewed how what we see in near-death experiences, like with Miranda's incident, may be associated to things happening at the quantum level that could make this possible. As our research continues, we certainly will dive deeper into these conversations. We also must look at what could be taking place medically and scientifically. I want you to imagine that it's late in the evening and you just finished a long day of work. You're making your way to your car that's located in a nearby parking garage. As you walk toward the parking garage, the thought of enjoying the weekend with your family starts consuming your attention. It's been a hard work week and you deserve a couple days off. 
As you walk through the empty parking garage, suddenly a figure emerges and grabs you. What your body does next is one of the most fascinating things on this planet. It prepares you to fight. It's almost like you become Spider-Man and suddenly are equipped with spidey senses. When you feel threatened, your nervous system responds by releasing a flood of stress hormones. These hormones, such as cortisol, will help you prepare to fight. These morphine-like hormones certainly aid in the pain-free and at-peace phenomena that many near-death experiences report. We must also consider how our brains release chemicals when under trauma, such as severe brain injury. With how many functions our brain is responsible for, it's no surprise that when we experience brain injury, things really can get wonky. A large number of near-death experiences also involve the person losing consciousness. During a time like this, the brain has a lack of oxygen flowing into it. Oxygen deprivation can lead to hallucinations and even euphoria. One such area of the brain that can cause these out-of-body experiences is a temporoparietal junction. It is responsible for assembling the data collected by the body's senses and organs to form the perception of an individual's body. This could explain the feeling of floating and sense of no boundaries. This has even been validated through medical research where the temporoparietal junction was stimulated electrically, producing like results. Could it also be possible that when the brain is under trauma, chemicals are released that produce euphoria to help with regulating pain. Through studies, we know just before death, hyperconsciousness is possible. This burst of energy results just before the heart stops beating or within 30 seconds after stopping. Could it be that what's happening is much like enhanced dreaming? Remember, the brain slowly powers off. It's possible that the neurons identify this and increase energy output in an attempt to revive the brain. If this is true, this could very well create a state of euphoria that is often described during NDEs. We also can see that if the temporal lobes become damaged and forms of seizures develop, this can cause out-of-world sensations what we see in these examples is that several areas of the brain, when under trauma, can cause symptoms that help cope with stress. Much research is needed to better understand exactly what's going on. Now, let's talk about how our minds, dreams, and hallucinations could possibly play part in all of this. How our brains allow us to sleep is complex and we still don't fully understand why we actually sleep. Deep inside the brain, a peanut-sized area known as the hypothalamus is responsible for controlling nerve cells that govern how we sleep and how we awake. Inside the hypothalamus is the super chasmatic nucleus that processes light exposure and behavioral rhythm. At the base
base of the brain is the brainstem, which communicates to the hypothalamus to control awakening and sleep. Both the hypothalamus and the brainstem are responsible for producing a brain chemical known as GABA. This chemical promotes sleeping. The brainstem also does something really fascinating. It plays a special part in REM sleep by sending signals to relax your muscles and body so that you don't actually physically act out your dreams. In simple terms, it allows for our body to enter a state of temporary paralysis. During REM sleep, the cortex is flooded with all types of images and sounds. This occurs because the thalamus acts as a relay that sends information to the covering of the brain known as the cerebral cortex. The pineal gland is responsible for producing a hormone known as melatonin. This hormone is important because it allows for us to become sleepy once the lights go out. When you fall asleep, this is what typically occurs. During the first few minutes of sleep, your body is going through a change from wakefulness to sleep. Your heartbeat, breathing, and eye movements slow. Your brain waves slow away from their daytime wakefulness patterns. This is known as stage 1 non-REM sleep. During stage 2, your heartbeat, breathing, and muscles relax in greater depth. Your body temperature drops and brain waves slow even more. What begins to happen, however, though, is that your brain waves will experience bursts of electrical activity. You now enter deep sleep that is really needed to feel refreshed in the morning. Your heartbeat and breathing slow to their lowest points. During this time, it can be difficult to wake someone from their sleep. You're now in stage three. Now, after about 90 minutes, you have finally made it to REM sleep. You'll notice that when someone is in REM sleep, their eyes will move very rapidly from side to side. Brain waves become very active. Heart rate and blood pressure increases just below typical levels. Your arms and legs will actually become temporarily paralyzed in REM sleep. Again, this helps you prevent from acting out your dreams. It's certainly possible that during traumatic events, the brain releases chemicals to handle the stress and allow for survival. And this is actually what's creating forms of near-death experiences. Something interesting to think about is that most traumatic near-fatal experiences involve the person becoming unconscious. Could the brain actually become confused during this time and take actions that are typically only seen during sleep cycles? Near-death experiences very well could be a mixture of things happening in the brain and the body. Guys and girls, in our upcoming research, we look forward to taking a deeper dive into all of this. I want to thank you for tuning into this episode. And remember, if you have a story, whether that be a story about life after death, 
paranormal incidents or UFOs, you can submit your story on our website. The link is in today's episode show notes. It helps with our research more than you would ever know. And it may very well just be featured right here on our podcast, which I'm very excited is growing to near 70,000 people. Again, thanks, everybody. Take care.